coming to you from the Deep South. This is the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. High impact leadership is not reserved for leaders, and it has nothing to do with your position, title, or rank. However, it does have everything to do with your character. It's time to climb to the next level and beyond, personally and professionally. Now, let's start making it happen with your host, Max Story. Hello, everyone. Thanks for stopping by the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. You're in for a special treat. This is a bonus series where I'm introducing my personal friend and mentor, Mr. Jimmy Collins. Jimmy was the former president and COO of Chick-fil-A, and he was Truett Cathy's third hire, third corporate hire in 1967, I believe was the year. And Jimmy basically worked side by side with Truett building the Chick-fil-A brand from startup to $1 billion, that's with a B, in sales by the year 2001. And that's when Jimmy retired with nearly 33 years of service on May 31st, 2001. So you're in for a treat. Jimmy has wisdom like you can't imagine. And he, he he's going to be talking about followership. And he's got two books. If you like these stories, you love the way he's telling them, a lot of these stories are in his books. Not all of them, but then also the books are full of many, many, many more stories, just like the ones Jimmy's going to be sharing, f- full of wisdom. So the two books are called Creative Followership in the Shadow of Greatness, and the other one is Jimmy's Stories. They're available on Amazon, and I highly encourage you uh, to follow Jimmy, and he's got articles and things like that uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn, and he'll actually interact with you there. That's actually how I met him. I met him through LinkedIn and then set up a, a, uh, a lunch with him. And he was gracious enough to give me about two hours of his time at Truett's original restaurant of uh, the Dwarf House Grill up in uh, Hapeville, which Truett opened in 1946, I believe. And so we, we it's still open as a Chick-fil-A there now, but back, back when it first opened, it was a hamburger joint, but it's, you'll hear about some of those stories, but, uh, I really, really hope you enjoy this and reach out to Jimmy and let him know. And uh, just so you know, this is a three-part special series, this interview series. First episode comes out May 15th. Second episode comes out May 22nd. Third episode is May 29th. All those dates are Wednesdays. And if you listen, if you're a regular listener to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast, you know that I'm in the middle of my own blue collar leadership and supervision unleash your team's potential 30 part series on, on my book by that same title. And that's not going to be interrupted. Uh, those episodes release on Friday mornings. So these special series episodes, any interviews I do with people, they're releasing on Wednesday morning. So just kind of bon- like bonus sessions in between, but I really hope you enjoy it. You've heard me talk enough. Let's turn the, turn the mic over to Mr. Jimmy Collins and and let you absorb some wisdom. Have a great day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. Got my friend Jimmy Collins back with me again today for part three. This will be the final episode, and I'm just so excited and privileged to get to spend time with Jimmy and have him share these stories. I hear them a lot from him because Rhea and I meet with him a couple times a year, but I'm like, I got to share these stories with my audience, Jimmy, and I want them to read the book because they're only getting a little tiny taste during these uh, short episodes. But I remember I met you 
I remember when I met you, I was on, through LinkedIn, and, and I saw your name, and I saw about your book, Creative Followership, and I saw Jimmy Collins, retired president of Chick-fil-A, and I was like, this is a hoax. I never heard any, of anybody <laughs> but the Cathy's. So I, I dug into it, though, and I ordered your book, and then I read it, and I'm like, this is not a hoax. I just didn't know what I didn't know about mm-hmm. who was making it happen behind the scenes. But you weren't really behind the scenes of Chick-fil-A. You were just behind the scenes kind of in the public eye, right? You made a lot of stuff happen. I was in Truett's shadow. In his shadow, just like the, the subtitle of the book, In the Shadow of Greatness. And, and so I called you up and said, hey, Mr. Collins, I'd love to meet you and talk to you. And I knew you were retired for a while, and I was like, I don't know if, if he'll do it, but I'm going to ask. Actually, I sent you a message on LinkedIn, and, and that was we met on June 18th, uh, 2015. And then shortly after that, you introduced us to Deanne Turner, who is the vice president of Talent. She's now retired. And, uh, but Rhea and I went up and had lunch with her. And I, heard, I had heard Dan Cathy speak before, and he was talking about what servant leadership was at Chick-fil-A. And, that particular day he got up and said his best example was that that he, when he got to Chick-fil-A he parked in the farthest parking space in the parking lot at the headquarters in Atlanta and he said that he picked up trash on the way in and picked up trash on the way out and he didn't have to ask people to pick up trash so I was talking to Deanne about that that day Rhea and I met her and, I, and when I was talking about it she said that's nothing she said it was nothing for us to come in and see Jimmy on the off-ramp out there at the, at the exit to go to the headquarters on the main big highway with his emergency flashers on, picking up trash. Tell, tell me about how all that come about and what you were doing and that sort of stuff. Well, I don't know exactly who taught me this lesson, but I, I, I do know that I learned this lesson that the best way to communicate with another person, what your expectations are is to let them see them being expressed. Model it. Yeah, you've got, you've got to model the behavior you want to see. And Dan, Dan was right. Uh, if executives park right up at the door, mm. where's everybody else going to want to park? But if the executives park a long way from the door, people will eventually get the message. Yes. And. Uh, it really disturbs me to go to a restaurant and see that the owner of the restaurant or the manager of the restaurant is parking right at the front door. With that, a big sign saying, here's my space. Yeah. And so uh, at, uh, at Chick-fil-A, we, uh, we all uh, practiced that. And the, mo- the, the model that we had was Truett Cathy. He, st- he kind of started that? Well, or he did start it? I, Truett Cathy is one of the most humble men that you could ever hope to meet. And he did not, uh, I don't know if he was deliberately doing these things, but I think it's just his nature. Mac, uh, who he was. Yeah. If I was traveling with him, if I wasn't careful, he'd pick up my suitcase or my briefcase and carry it. And I didn't want him to carry my suitcase, I'd carry my own suitcase. But I also found that when you demonstrate for people what, you, what your expectations are, you're more likely to get the results. Now, I'm going to give you a backup story here okay. that goes around the circle a little bit. But uh, one day, uh, I walked into Truett Cathy's office. Now, let, let me explain. Truett looked, looked for me to get things done. And I never took a problem into Truett's office and left it there. Mm. I never tried because I knew he wouldn't let me. If there's, a, uh, he didn't want me bringing problems in there, 
but what I would do, anytime I knew that there was a problem or something that needed to be taken care of, I took care of it and then I went to his office to tell him what I had already done to take care of the problem. So he'd just know it happened, you he, addressed it. Yeah, he didn't need to know it happened. He didn't have to, to do anything about it. He didn't it. have to get involved in solving right. it and fixing it. You did that. Yeah. And he liked you to do that. That's what he put. He expected you to do that. And so one day I went in and I told him about this problem that uh, that we had resolved, had our lawyer with, with me, and we went in and we talked about it. <clears throat> and as we left his office, I turned around and said, Truett, you don't need to worry about these problems. That's what you hired me for, is to solve these problems. He said, no. And that stunned me. And I turned around and looked, and he said, I hired you to prevent problems. <laughs> That's now, a higher level, isn't it? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. This has gotten higher level, as you say, and more complicated. And a heavier load to carry. Yes. And I thought, oh, my goodness. That's an almost impossible assignment to prevent problems. Well, how do you prevent problems? I'll tell you what I practiced. All right. I, I would go to a, one of our uh, restaurants. I'll give you an example of one. And uh, I went into this restaurant one day, one of our freestanding restaurants, one of the mall restaurants, it was a freestanding restaurant, and there was trash in the parking lot. So I began to pick up the trash out there. Well, when the operator of the store saw me out there, he came out there and he said, you don't need to do that. He said, uh, I'll do it. I said, what are you gonna do about this? He said, oh, I'll come pick it up. I said, no. What are you going to do to prevent this? Oh, you passing on that lesson, wouldn't you? Exactly. What are you going to do to prevent this? That's how things happen right. You know, you, you've got to have a plan and a program and a, and a method of execution that prevents the problems. And I would stop and pick up trash on the way in the home office. I wanted the people there to see me. Do Beyond it. the parking lot. Well, uh, on the exit off of, uh, of Spur 14 there, which is a South Fulton Parkway. Looks like an interstate. Yeah, it is like an interstate. It's four lanes, it's, you know, it's uh, limited access. Yeah. But a lot of trash would be thrown out of cars there. Because they'd stop and wait on the light yeah. before they could get off of the uh -huh. expressway. And um, I would stop and pick up trash there. And On the highway. That's like well, a block or two from the entrance to Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick it's really the exit, on the exit there. And also in, on the entrance into the, to the office building there. I did that all over. Dan Cathy does that. Dan, uh, Dan Cathy, whenever he takes anybody with him, he teaches them how to pick up trash. It's, it's, an, it's an essential. Anywhere. It's an essential in the restaurant business that you have a clean appearance. People can't see what's going on in the kitchen. <clears throat> But they can see what's going on in the dining room and the parking it's lot an and the restrooms, and that's uh, you know that's one of the most important things you have is is cleanliness. And uh, my grandmother used to say cleanliness is next to godliness. I, I don't know. I never saw that in the Bible anywhere, but I, but she it was she, important for yeah, grandmother. Yeah, she taught me that. And you guys did very well with it. And. It's what's amazing is we travel all over the country speaking and we, we go in a lot of Chick-fil-A's and they all have good people. Although uh -huh. people nearby say they can't find any good people, but Chick-fil-A finds them everywhere they go. I, I'm going to tell you about 
there are good people everywhere. I don't care what community you're in. I don't care what part of the country you're in. There are good people there. But you, I, I told Chick-fil-A operators this. You will get the caliber of employees that you deserve. Oh, that's good stuff. You get the caliber of employees you deserve. Who we are is who we attract. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, I remember uh, one day that Truett, Kathy, and I were having a conference with one of our franchisees. We called them operators. And he was telling Truett, he said, uh, I got lousy employees. <laughs> and he was telling us about how bad they were. He said, I just wish it all quit. Wow. Truett asked him one question. Who hired those people? That, that put the responsibility where it belonged, didn't it? I, I, I've heard, I recently went in a, a restaurant over in Fayetteville, and it was, a, it was a, a disaster. They didn't have enough employees, and the ones they were having obviously were not experienced. They didn't know what they were doing. And the manager was sitting in a booth having coffee with friends. Wow, no responsibility. You know, they, they didn't have an, they didn't have an employee problem. They had a management problem there. Absolutely. That's what's, that's pretty common. Yeah. That, that, that's mm -hmm. actually the root cause of a lot of the issues out there. But it's, it's extremely important to demonstrate and model for other people the behavior that you want to see repeated. Yeah, this, this kind of good character is more caught than taught. Yeah. Absolutely right. Right. So kind of going into that, T talking about your time in the stores, you t I think it was the last time we had lunch with you, maybe back in November, you shared a story, and, and I just loved it, and it was about praising perfection, is what you called it. Yeah. Can you share about, what's that mean, praising okay. perfection? Okay. Uh, when I was a youngster, m my daddy had something he said to us that I didn't like. Uh, we had a garden. This was back during uh, World War II and just after that. We called them Victory Gardens back then, and he took our whole backyard and made a garden out of it. My daddy was a farmer at heart, and he uh, got us boys to do the upkeep of that garden. We had to get the weeds, you know, out every day. He'd come home every day and he'd look at the garden and see what we'd done and how well we did it. If he didn't like what we did, he'd make us do it over again. If we didn't get every weed, I mean every little green sprig that wasn't supposed to be there, we did it over again. And he would say, any job worth doing is worth doing well. And that really bugged me. But you know, over the years, I've learned to appreciate that back. And uh, I've heard, I've, I've been accused of being a perfectionist. Just once? More than once. <laughs> I mean, and I don't understand it. And uh, people call me a perfectionist. They ever call you a perfectionist? A lot. Of, I have heard that. You've heard that too? Yes. And uh, maybe some of the folks who are listening to this have heard that. And the people, when, when they say that to you, you ever notice how they, they say it? You're a perfectionist. You know, they twist their mouth around and they, they say it like it's some kind of terrible disease like Ebola or something. I don't know. They're, they're offended by your perfectionism yeah, they're, or mine or You're anybody. exactly right. But what I have learned is there are a lot of closet perfectionists. Okay. They claim they're not. But Mac, have you ever flown on an airplane? Yes, sir. Did you expect a pilot to make a perfect landing? Absolutely. Yeah. You ever had <laughs> surgery? Yes, sir. Did you expect the surgeon to do a perfect job? Absolutely. 
we're all perfectionists in some way. So what we got to do? When it matters. Yeah, where it matters, we 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 got to get our direction right. Now, one of the ways that I I worked on this when I would visit the Chick Fil A stores is I looked for perfect performance. And when I found perfect performance, I would praise it. I didn't praise almost perfect. But you know what? Most performance, when people from the home office and most uh, businesses go and visit the stores, you know what kind of performance usually gets highlighted? What's that? Bad performance. Oh, they go focus on the bad wrong. stuff. Yeah. That's what I, they're looking for a lot of times. Yeah, I decide I'm going to focus on the things that are done perfectly. And that's not just it. In restaurant business, Jimmy, Any you know business. that that's wherever there's a leader yeah. and a follower or a parent and a child, mm -hmm. a lot of times focus on the bad or what's going wrong, but you do right the opposite. Well, when I go in, I'll give you an example now. Um, I'll go in and I'll order food in the restaurants. And Truett was, everybody knew who Truett was, but m most of the employees that worked for our franchisees had no idea who I was. They didn't know who Jimmy Truett Cotton was. Truett was kind of the face and the, yeah, the brand. Was, yeah, he was the, he was the uh, figurehead. Kind of the ambassador. Of, mm -hmm. of, of the... So they knew who he was. But I could go in any restaurant and just like an, uh, a customer and order food. You could kind of go in and, and kind of covert like special ops. Nobody knew who you were in there. Well, kind of like that. But that one, that one's phony. I was for real. Yeah, you were for real. Yeah. And so I would go in and I would order food and I'd go sit at a table and I'd check it out. If, uh, if it was bad, I'd go talk to the, the franchisee. And if it was good, I would go in the kitchen. Uh, if it was perfect now, if I'd go in the kitchen. And when I go in the kitchen, what I do is I walk in the kitchen. But they didn't know you. They didn't know who I was. They thought you were just a here's, customer. Here's this guy coming in. And but you uh, were the president of Chick-fil-A, but they didn't have a clue about it. They, they didn't even know you worked at Chick-fil-A. No, they didn't know who I was. President. This is just this guy coming in. And you just headed to the counter. Right, and I always wore a suit and tie. So, so you were like a well-dressed customer. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, in, I go in the kitchen door and I say, I want to know who made these waffle fries. And I'd say it about like that. And I'd use a tone of voice where I'd be speaking loud, but they wouldn't know what I was wanting to know it for. And usually they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, he, she, he, he, she did it. Start pointing fingers. Yeah, pointing fingers at other people. But in uh, this one particular time I'm telling you about, this young man said, I made them. And I said, okay, I want to talk to you about this. And I gather everybody there that I, that I could get to come over. And I said, I want you all to see the waffle fries he has made for me. They still don't know who you are. No, they still don't know who I am. They, they don't know till this is over. They're afraid you're upset, so they yeah. kind of just be quiet listening. Exactly. So I take a waffle fry out of, bag, out of the bag and I say, look at this. What do, what do you think of this? It's, it's a waffle fry. <laughs> I said, no. This is a perfect waffle fry. Look at it. I said, it's a golden brown. And it's a full cut. And I dumped the bag out and I said, look at this. No scraps, no fragments in here. And I said, it's just a beautiful golden brown. I go, take a bite of it, you know. I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> Crisp on the outside, moist and warm on the inside. Just the right amount of salt. And I say, hey, y'all come over here and touch these things. And I get them put their hands on them. I said, what do you think? I said, 
They're warm. Yeah, that's the way the customers like them. They like them when they're warm. And they like them when they're cooked right. These are perfect waffle fries. And they don't want crumbs. Mm -mm. When, when you do them like this, and the customers come in, they're gonna to wanna to come back and get some more. When I left there, do you think they knew how to make perfect waffle fries? Not only that, but it, it empowered the other people that were there. And yes. I, I would tell them, when you got new employees that are coming in and they're learning to do these things, when they do a perfect job, make a big deal of it. Yes. Because they will remember your compliments for them doing a perfect job. And they'll tell other people. Now, I know this is the perfect way to make these because that's what I've been told. It doesn't matter what you're selling or what you're making. You want them to do a perfect job. They're much more likely to, to want to do it, everybody who is watching, because eventually they figured out who you were. Yeah, well, I didn't just do this for, for waffle fries. I did it for everything. Uh, I saw when I got a perfectly clean restroom in my site. Oh yeah, tell me about Whoa. that one. I remember that story too. Tell that one again. Uh, well, I went in this, the re a restaurant in Dallas one day. Chick-fil-A restaurant. Chick-fil-A restaurant, yeah. Sometimes I did this in other kind of restaurants too. I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. It's too good yeah. uh, to, to but, showcase somebody who's a star. Well, you know, it, it hadn't, hadn't been that long ago that, uh, well, I won't, I won't get off track here, but anyway, I went in this, this restaurant, at this restaurant uh, in, in Dallas, and I went back up front and I said, I want to know who's responsible for cleaning this bathroom in here. <laughs> And they said, that's him over there. And I asked him, I said, are you responsible for this? And he said, yes, sir. And so I got, I got all, everybody I could get to go in there with me that wasn't waiting on the customer. I said, come on, I want all y'all to see what he's done. And I went in there, I pointed out. I pointed out everything in there. I mean, the air vents had the dust cleaned off of them. The, where the floor and the wall met it, the floor was clean. You know, that's usually always dirty. In the corner, yeah. Yeah. And everything was polished. It just, Mac, it just shined. It, it represented the yeah. brand well. It did. In the worst spot sometimes. It represented the employee well, too. Absolutely. That he had done such a good job. And people need recognition when they do good jobs. They really do. You've mentioned when you tell that story, sometimes I want you to highlight on it because it's important. Because sometimes people will say, somebody's not such a good employee, why are you? Oh, okay. That's powerful, right? As a matter of fact, it's in that same place that I told you about. Okay. On the guy that made the waffle fries. Okay. Uh, after it was over, his boss there in the store told me, uh, he said, Jimmy, you're complimenting that guy, but he's not a very good employee. And I said, he makes perfect waffle fries. Maybe the boss is the one who's responsible for not being a better employee. And you know, not every employee is good at everything that goes on in a business. Yes. And if you, if you assign people and let them do the things they enjoy doing and the things they do well, you're gonna get a much higher level of performance. It doesn't matter if they're always, mm -mm. Outstanding. Maybe they've never been outstanding, but when they do something outstanding, we need to praise them for exactly. that perfection because it's more likely to get more of it. Well, 
I've seen mediocre employees become great employees. Because they started being praised. Just because somebody encouraged them in the light, right way. You get people to do a better job when you recognize the behavior you want to see repeated and you reward the behavior you want to see repeated. But most behavior that, uh, that is recognized is imperfect behavior. It's not good jobs. But that, I mean, that's how you get them to do it. It tells them what not to do, but they still don't know what to do. And that's yeah. the most important thing is knowing what to do. So before we wrap up this episode, if you can squeeze it in maybe four minutes or less, you talk about learning to say no, the power of that, I assume. Young people in particular need to learn to say no. Older people usually get on to it better than young people, but sometimes young people are hesitant to say no because they don't know what, the out, what that's going to do to the outcome. I was a young man selling restaurant equipment, and um, one of my customers had uh, a need for a refrigerator, a 40 cubic foot refrigerator. That, that was a pretty good sale for me in those days to be able to sell a 40 cubic foot refrigerator. And um, he got me to give him a quotation on it. I gave him a quotation and he said, well, I'm getting other, other people to give me a quote too. He said, and, and I, I need a washer and dryer for my house. Hmm. hmm. And he said, I'll let you know. And I told him, I said, I'm not gonna use his real name. I'm gonna say, Hal, I'm gonna give you the best price I can give you on the refrigerator, but I can't send a washer and dryer to your house. And I left and I didn't make a lot of money in those days. I needed the commission on that sale, but I was not going to do anything dishonest. He was not the owner of the business. He was the manager of the business. And I never bribed anybody. I never paid anything, anybody off. And as I left there, I thought, well, I'm sure I have lost the sale, but I am not gonna stoop down. But you hadn't lost your integrity. No. And so I said, no, I would not do it. Um, and I figured I'd lost it. Oh, it's some few days later, he called me and he said, uh, Jimmy, we decided to give you the order for that refrigerator. Mac, I, I still wonder today, now this happened when I was maybe 20 years old, 21 years old. Yes. And I'm 83 today. It's been at least 70 years ago. And I still don't know whether he really wanted to, me to pay him by putting a washer and dryer in his house or he was just testing my integrity. You don't know? I don't know. But it relative might, to having integrity, it didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter because just what matters to me. It was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And that's what we need to recognize. No is one of the most important, if not the most important, words in the whole English language. We need to learn to use it. It shapes your life. It does. And it also creates space to say yes to the right things when you say no to the wrong things, right? So it's been a pleasure, Jimmy, having you on these three episodes. And a lot of people probably don't know it, but you've been a big inspiration to me with my Blue Collar Leadership brand. I know I got it registered 
Rio was on me to get it registered, and I didn't really do it. And then you started saying, hey, you need to get that thing registered. So every time I see that little R above Blue Collar Leadership, it reminds me of you. So that's, that's a special thing for me, and I appreciate our relationship and, and friendship. It's, it's really unbelievable that my transformation has led me to attract somebody like you who, it, who will spend time with me and pre appreciates me as a person. So thank Matt, you for that. People need Blue Collar Leadership. Keep your message going. There are millions of people out there that need that message. All right, sir. Thank you. And I hope you stay well and keep doing well. And I hope these people go out there and get this creative followership book. I'm telling you, go get it. If you're a parent, a grandparent, go get it. Read it on purpose. You'll get something out of it, but read it so you'll know what you're about to pass along to the young folks in your life. And you can help them get a, a head start. And it'll be like money in the bank. They learn these principles. It's going to allow their success and results and value to compound just like money in the bank. So thank you, Jimmy. It's been a pleasure. And uh, keep listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. Talk to you next time. Make it happen or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Max Story's Blue Collar Leadership Series books and others now available on audio, along with paperback and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Max books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast.